All right. Well, welcome everybody to the first episode of the podcast we're tentatively titling Finding the Way. So this podcast is aimed for all of our ResProp teammates, hoping us to explore topics that we all are going to encounter kind of day in and day out, hopefully give you a chance to understand things a little more. Uh, we picked a big one today to kick off with here. Uh, we're going to talk about the make ready process here. Unfortunately, it's not just going to be me talking about this. I brought in the experts. So I've got in two regional maintenance directors, Demetrius Josh Escavadilla. They're going to join us today and have this discussion about the maker process, and we'll see what sort of insights. So before we actually get into that, I was hoping to learn a little bit more about each of you. And maybe you could do a quick introduction of, of who you are, kind of what you do day in and day out. But Really kind of curious to to peel back and see how you guys got into the business. So Demetrius, you want to kind of open up that discussion and let us know a little bit about you and how you got here. Sure. Well, my name is Demetrius Rodriguez, and uh, I'm regional uh, maintenance director for Austin area. And um, I started uh, my career in the U.S. Navy. I was a builder in the CVs. And um, when I got out of the Navy, I transitioned into construction and I did a lot of high-end uh, remodeling. Um, and um, I actually, in 2005, I transitioned into property management in multifamily with uh, a company called Weinstein Properties. And I, I started off as a, it was a, called a capital projects carpenter. And I basically did a multi-site uh, maintenance for 18 properties. I traveled and did a lot of their um, unit renovations, big repairs, big item repairs like roof repairs, um, soffit repairs, a lot of the stuff that the maintenance technicians couldn't handle. Um, and then from that point, I ended up getting into um, HVAC and working on, you know, kind of doubling in and helping with maintenance. So as that progressed, I ended up getting more certifications. I ended up getting my um, maintenance manager certification through the National Center of Housing Management. Uh, I got my national CPO, uh, CAMT, as well as uh, EPA, uh, Universal, and 410A. And then I worked on, um, you know, helping maintenance teams to becoming, eventually being a maintenance manager. I was a maintenance manager for a long period of time, probably over 10 years. And then I got into a national role and then ne currently now into a regional role. So a lot of different certifications. Uh, the one that you spoke of one is probably one that's not really familiar with uh, or familiar amongst a lot of multifamily. Um, but it is one of those that are out there along with the CAMT, the Certified Maintenance, Department Maintenance Technician. So that had to be pretty helpful in terms of just general knowledge for your career and getting you, I guess, uh, a little leg up on your peers. Yes, it did. It also gave me the opportunity to cross-train with the KMT. I got to work with uh, Roto-Rooter, uh, Carrier Corporation, um, and there were a lot of different um, trades that I got to work with and, and build relationships with, as well as having them as, as uh, you know, somebody to lean on and call if I needed to find out you know, different aspects about different 
facets of the of cross training throughout the trade. So it was it was good to to get into that program. Um, this uh, certification for maintenance manager was great to get a kind of a glimpse of the you know the the operations side as well as the just it gives you a big picture of 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 kind of the mindset of of running properties and and different different strategies to run properties so it gave me a really good um, overview of how to successfully manage teams on a on a bigger scale so it was it was very beneficial all right well josh let's uh turn it over to you as well because it seems like the more people you talk to the more different ways people got into this industry so i'm curious to know a little bit about your story and where you got to to this point Yes, sir. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Joshua Calcedia. I'm a regional maintenance director here in South Florida, ResProp. And um, similar to uh, Demetrius, I also started uh, in, in the military or came out of uh, the Army. Um, my job in the Army was not construction, uh, but have that background. Um, after getting out of the Army, I actually was uh, teaching gymnastics. And um, I linked up with one of the parents of, uh, you know, some of the, the kids that I was coaching and they were going off to purchase these apartment buildings and turn them into uh, condos, you know, in the early wow. 2000s. Uh, I think everyone who was in this field saw or came across a condo conversion. Um, and I was, you know, going to be a millionaire and he loved my attitude. He was like, come with me, you know, it's going to, it's just going to be great. And um, so I started, you know, lugging washer and dryers up the third floor because <laughs> I was pretty strong and, uh, you know, doing everything that we could just to support the, the mission of selling, you know, converting these buildings and then selling them. Um, so quickly that turned from just being extra hands on deck to getting involved with the renovations, heavy renovations of uh, gutting these apartments and, and turning them into a luxury condo and, and selling them for, for top dollar. So I got to see that whole side of things. Um, as I'm sure anyone who's listening remembers, uh, you know, later in the 2000s, the real estate market uh, had a very strong shift, which um, really put a, a halt to that whole, um, I guess, venture. Um, at that time, the sales were practically at a halt. Um, a lot of changes were happening to that company. And I remember the question, like it was yesterday, I said, who knows how to fix something? You know, who knows how to fix something? I mean, there's gonna be some major changes. And I was like, well, you know, my brother owns an AC company and I, I can work on ACs, you know, I, I, I know how to work on ACs. And, um, he goes, great, you're, you're the maintenance supervisor, you know, and, and that was, uh, that was a trial by fire or, you know, I went, jumped right into it. Um, and at that time we were running with four sites in um, Wakaiva Springs in the Longwood area of, of Orlando. And um, they turned out to, to, they switched back to hybrid properties, which were partially condos and then some were rented out. Very interesting time. Um, and we learned quick, fast, and in a hurry, everything uh, apartments uh, quick. 
um, as as you all know, there's so many different layers to this, and um, we got brought up to speed. It was a real crash course. I uh, made a lot of mistakes and uh, definitely learned from those mistakes. And, and uh, yeah, that, that after. So then um, as that chapter comes to an end, I moved back to uh, South Florida and get in with a uh, apartment complex uh, in the Port St. Lucie area um, and continued as a maintenance supervisor, um, ended up becoming a multi-site maintenance supervisor where I was running three apartment complexes and kind of hit the ceiling, you know, after that, at that point I was almost 15 years in and living in an area where there wasn't a whole lot of growth. Um, I hit a, hit the ceiling and, um, I had a vendor approach me who specialized in multifamily housing. And um, I thought, you know, maybe the grass was greener on the other side. I uh, went off to work for that vendor specializing in um, multifamily housing, providing um, general contracting and roofing uh, and everything in between, mostly capital improvements, um, though it did feel like we were running a small service department. As we were, we were, you know, it wasn't much that we would uh, turn down. So um, that that lasted for two years, and I kind of realized that the grass wasn't greener on the other side, and I wanted to get back into, um, you know, multi multifamily housing, but on the management side of things where I had spent so much of my career. And here I am uh, back with. Um, you know, back in the apartment industry and working for ResProp and happy to be here. So no, no shortcuts on uh, the road up. Sounds like both of you guys have cut your teeth uh, over a lot of years and a lot of different types of training. Well, as I said, we're going to talk about a lot of different topics throughout this uh, podcast series. I'm hoping it uh, continues on, gets picked up by the teammates and brings a good discussion. And there's a lot of topics because running a success or I guess successfully managing apartments is no easy thing and there's not just one thing that you have to do it's it's many um, and when I think about maintenance and I think about zooming out to the big picture usually I think about most community maintenance activities is kind of falling into uh, categories of work orders curb appeal make readies or preventative maintenance and as I said, for this first podcast, we've picked make readies as the topic since in so many ways it pushes us to success or failure with our new residents. Um, we're going to try to discuss ways of trying to achieve some of those success, uh, ways to be more efficient, and really try to help everybody find the best way possible. Now, you can always find additional details and the information on FUSE. Uh, simply go on and search for make ready, and you'll find a whole topic which with I think it has nine articles right now in the make ready process kind of broken up into segments. But uh, yeah, that's where we'll kind of go into it. And in my career, which now spans over 20 years, crazy enough to think, um, I found that year after year, the number one uh, thing, survey after survey, the number one controllable reason residents give for moving out is dissatisfaction with maintenance. And, you know, I say this, uh, that that term is controllable because there are certain things that you just can't control, right? You can't control if somebody's got to move because of a job relocation. 
you can't control if maybe they have a circumstance where they can no longer afford to, to pay for that community. So there are some things beyond our control. But year after year, the number one reason is maintenance. And really, that whole thing starts from the moment they show up as a prospect. And it really kicks off when they get the keys to their new home and they open up the door. So that experience when you first walk into your new apartment home can't be understated. Um, and you can look at it in a lot of different ways, but that's what we're going to approach. So let's kind of break this down and talk a little bit about things. And while people can read the, the process on views and go through our actual protocols, I wanted you guys to maybe start off with where you think the the key starting point is on the make ready process. So when does the, the make ready process really begins? Uh, Demetrius, you, you have any thoughts on when you actually start the make ready process? So as far as as far as starting the make ready process, um, in, in my own experience, I've always tried to use the make ready as a way to really start developing the reputation, the reputation that you want for your property, which starts with developing your make ready eye and creating a standard. I would start always with walking vacants just as showable units, adding them in and using them as a, a starting point to create a standard um, because you are moving somebody in their future home and we do want to establish what the, the the standard will be set at and developing your eye to to basically start that standard. So I would always start with, you know, developing the standard and then going ahead and pulling the 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 move outs, pulling them, getting ahead and developing a good process, a two-step process where you did your two inspections, your first inspection with your with, going in supervisor or with property manager and do a pre-move out and then develop the, 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 the charges, the, 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 you know, kind of gives you a snapshot of, of, of how long it's going to take to get it ready. Um, and, and, and kind of give you a, give you a walkthrough and, and an understanding of what you're going to need to get it fixed. And then the second is the final inspection where you would come in and, and look at everything and make sure that it was up to standard, but starting it, first understanding the, the the reputation that you want to build as opposed to you know a lot of the times it gets lost where you're pulling you know available you're pulling out the move outs and you're and you're scheduling your vendors and you're you're setting thing up on kind of like a whiteboard and it gets kind of it gets kind of just a process to to get heads on beds and it's not a looking forward to you know doing the pre move out setting the standard and that whole mindset of let's go ahead and this is get everybody involved and say this is a standard that we're going to set and final inspection at the end inspection walk through and say you know this meets the standard and and this is this is you're what we're uh, for, so. you're going deep on yours here you're you're setting yourself up for success by thinking about what you want the positive outcome to be or even really looking at any one particular unit, you're kind of you're saying, what's the quality standard? How do we want the, the property to be positioned in the market? That's because I look at things from, from everybody's got to buy in. If, if, if I get 
if I get uh, just detailed and date related and, uh, you know, it needs to be done in four days, um, it, 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 it's the why. So if, if I can develop a standard, then we win. And it gives uh, anticipation for the next move in, the move out. You know, it, it gives that, it, it gives you the why behind it and you're developing the standard. And I feel that that for, for me, that was one of the things that I could get my maintenance team to buy into and they would feel proud of their, of their turn. And they would also take ownership on their, on their technician process when they would come to the unit, not fix anything, but walk through it and really digest what they need to get done, write it all down go get all the supplies and and we had a we had a system down to where you know i i say this but if it's not good enough for your mama or jesus then it, it's not ready and that's what we used to joke around and say and uh but they were in their own process of developing their the reputation that they would put their own spin on it so it was kind of infectious and then it, everybody buys into it office and maintenance and, it, and then it just works. It, it just becomes almost, it evolves into something better than what you thought. So if I can ask there, and, and Josh, I, I saw you nodding your head up and down. Those that just are listening to this probably won't uh, catch that, but you, you talked a little bit about bringing in the, the technicians. And I was gonna ask you, and maybe Josh, you got some sense as well, is, is level setting with the, the technicians, right? Because Demetrius, you probably have an idea of what your mama allows right in the, the apartment that might be a little different than maybe yeah. what josh's mama allows or my mama allows. right so how do you really uh introduce your teammates and get them to all all buy into that was that you walking everybody through a completed unit was that walking through competitors how, how would you actually go through that process i would go through that process first by you know just seeing how how they're how they how they go about the technician process, how how are they turning the units currently, giving them uh, different options, either, whether going left when you go in and to make things right, or whether you go from the back to the front, uh, just different processes and show them, you know, what, what I feel is acceptable, new drip pans going through, putting a little PM on it, you know, making sure that, you know, you're cleaning, we, you know, the furl down, you're pulling it down, you're changing the filters, you're cleaning things out, making sure, you know, that the temperature split is good. I, I try to give them a good, uh, uh, a good glimpse on not only is it good enough for, for that new resident, but also you don't want to call back, right? I mean, you want to make sure that unit's working great. You don't want seven work orders on one ticket coming back. So, you know, I explain the different, the different things that could happen with, you know, breezing through a turn and then setting the expectation of, 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 you know, the time frame and, and what you can do. And that, that also happens at the, the, the pre-move out. Um, sometimes, you know, things are going to take a little bit more time to get it to that, to that standard that you set. So it's good to have the operation side come in on the walks, the pre-move out walks as well, so that they can adjust dates and kind of get kind of grasp how long it's going to take to get these vendors out. And then it also it also too gives the technician a little bit more responsibility because I would have him follow up on the vendors when they would paint and make sure that they were, 
you know, doing their job up to standard, you know, not having overspray on the floors, making sure that they were, you know, following up behind the vendors that we had as well, give them that extra responsibility. So they take ownership, essentially, you just get that across to them and it makes them empowered. And, and, it, and, it, and it, they would end up, you know, evolving into, you know, handling great, turning over a great product. Josh, can I uh, ask you to kind of step in on the, the pre-walk conversation? Because I think the pre-walk idea is something that's often thrown out there, but I don't necessarily always happen in. And the number one excuse I usually get is uh, time. Uh, don't have time to do the pre-walks. What's your your impression of a pre-walk and where do you see that fitting into that grander scheme of things? Yeah, without a doubt. So, um, you know, I was going right to pre-move out inspection. Um, I hadn't thought about the the standard. You know, I'm glad that that's that's the good thing of having all these different perspectives. Um, how true that is, uh, Demetrius. Yeah, good good bringing that up. Um, so, besides that task condition and standard, that pre-move out inspection, that's that's. Um, it's your your glimpse, you know. It's like a, a free preview of what's coming, right? So it's almost like uh, when you would think of if you've played competitive sports or anything. It's like watching the tape, you know. You get to to see the te- the other team playing um, ahead of time before that game day. So um, I think it's it's a it's a vital part of the process uh, and very important. You know, I tell the guys you either take the time to go in before. Or you're going to have to pay the time after when you get hit with that surprise, you know. So um, it's something that I that I advocate for, I push for, um, and, and without a doubt. So on our in resmen and our make ready board, you know, we're we're scheduling these things as we're getting our notice to vacate. Um, that's something that I'm checking uh, multiple times a week to make sure that the maintenance supervisors are doing their pre move out inspections. And, you know, uh, at times you may get an excuse or, or a rebuttal that, well, I, I just can't see things when there's all the resident stuff is in the apartment, you know, and it's it's just, it's it's not worth it. Um, and, and I kind of, I give them uh, the, I guess, you know, I acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you are, if there's a huge floor rug or something, you maybe you didn't see the carpet need to be replaced, but you're going to be ahead of the game. By watching the tape you're not going to learn everything about that quarterback by watching it but you learn something you will benefit from it and um you know vacancy loss is such a big deal not only when we're trying to meet our goals and and meet bonuses by turning these apartments in a, in a reasonable amount of time um but we're representing these uh, owners uh, money you know and having these apartments empty uh, for additional days o- over time because we didn't take the time to go and do a pre-move-out inspection. That's just not acceptable. So you, you talk a little bit about getting a glimpse, and I think, Demetrius, you, you kind of indicated this as well. I mean, part of the idea is that you can go back, you know, speak with your property manager, speak with your leasing agents, and let them know what the expectation of timing might be for some because maybe some are going to be super easy. Maybe you just had that person that had the light touch and other ones might require a bit more than you're going to have to kind of push that a little in your schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another thing too is, is the, the pre, the pre-boo that inspection. Um, I mean, 
you run in right pets, um, you know, smells, you know, holes, damage, um, you know, you know, charging, you know, a lot of the times too, it's great to, to walk and do the free move out with your, with your property manager, because, uh, you know, to do a few, because a lot of the time, you know, the walls will need extra priming, you know, for, 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 you know, the bed being up against the wall, there might need some extra priming involved. There's more costs involved. So it's good to, to, you know, educate the, the, the property. It's like a cross train as well. I, for instance, I had a, I had a, uh, a property manager on a site and um, she, she needed all new baseboards. She said that all the baseboards were eaten up by, by the dog. So the, the site team ordered all these baseboards and they weren't doing uh, pre-move out inspections. So they bought all these baseboards and went and they spent the whole day to go over there and change them out. And I walked in there to, to look at the units and, and it actually wasn't the baseboards. It was the door casing. They ate the bottom of the door casing, but the, leasing agent that walked it looked down and saw that the bottom was eaten up so she said the baseboard so they went in without just going off of the leasing agent telling the property manager he needed a new baseboard in these areas they they spent the money on those things when it was just a case so it's good to get together with the with the office and cross training and you know this is casing you know this is baseboard this is what we're looking for this is going to need to be repair this is extra time you know we have pet damage we have this and that so and and it's a great opportunity to to buy your time and and then get the property manager and everybody on the same understanding of what it's going to take to get the job completed um so it's just it, it's good but good point joshua with the not being able to see quite everything with the you know because a lot of the times you know you can walk in and there's barely any room you in the unit, they have everything covered up, but it, it does give you a good snapshot. And it, it, I've always found that it's vital to to do that with the property manager or leasing and take turns and really, it'll help you develop the standard as you go along. And it'll also give them the, they'll know the price, they'll know what they're looking at, they'll have a better understanding, they can ask questions as well. So the other neat thing that I always learned about free move outs, you can get that ability you can get the resident to walk with you you can have them help be the solution to some things and specifically cleaning uh, is usually where you can make sure that they're coming into it and let them know that hey if you don't take that black ring around your tub and get that thing scrubbed out we're going to charge you extra for that and you're going to see a hit um because oftentimes, you know, they don't have that expectation on their own, or they might not understand what they're responsible for. So it's great if you can have the residents in there. I know not all residents are able to make those times, but it's worth leaving a note sometimes on that and following up with the residents and just saying, hey, this is what we observed. These are things you'll need to make sure you correct or expect to be charged. And then there's not the surprise charge and reinforce the other good things of make sure it's clean. There's no trash left in there. You haven't anything else uh, to help with that process as well. So I always enjoyed the fact that you could hopefully get the apartment returned in a better condition by helping set that expectation with that. Uh, so I'm guessing from both of you or experience, you would default to do it, prioritizing a pre move out inspection. If you had to start prioritizing certain activities, you would definitely put time on a pre move out. 
Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, let's kind of go through some of the, the other things because I guess after we finally get keys, then we're actually on the move out inspection. What are you doing to kind of get ready for that and then ready for those kind of day one, day two activities? What, what does that look like kind of rolling into that? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in there. Um, so one, uh, we wanna make sure that we have our punch kits um, and, and proper inventory uh, to do the job. So we wouldn't wanna find out the day we got keys that we don't have drip hands or that we're missing uh, AC filters or anything like that. So of course, having a uh, adequately stocked uh, shop would would be a buy-in, you know, uh, or a big part of, of being ready for that, that make ready. Um, and then of course the trash out, you know, um, we wanna make sure that if the resident did leave anything inside of that apartment, that we're getting it out of their, you know, old big uh, or common rule of thumb is, you know, 24 hours. From the time we get the keys, 24 hours, there shouldn't be any remnants or anything left in that apartment um, for from that other resident, including the fridge, you know, personals, everything out of the apartment. So one man's trash is another man's treasure. Um, I suppose that's one of those cautions there of going in and making an assumption that something's all trash. Um, that's probably one of those cautions just for all the teammates out there that, you know, there's some things that are just very clear trash, right? And there's other things where you might want to just hold on and get notification out to that resident of personal effects items. And each state's going to have a, a you know, different litmus on what we have to do in terms of holding those or trying to contact on that. But do you guys have any other suggestions for that litmus of, of trash? And then I suppose the other big thing that goes along with that is documenting anything that's left in there in terms of photos other notes yeah i've always um any big items that were left that were that that we saved we we always like i'm used to always when i was on site used to save it 30 days we we would set it aside in in whether it be in a certain designated area and, and then the property manager would send out notifications to the resident to pick his stuff up but we would always usually hold it for like 30 days on the trash out and things are clear trash, like rotten food, wrappers, yeah. anything like that. That's that's not something you're trying to save, but you, you never know when they somehow left their grandma's prized uh, heirloom shoebox or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah we is. had. Sorry, of course, I was going to say we had someone leave their um, their wedding album. You know, it was on the top of the uh, the closet. And it was something that was obvious. It's like, you know, no one leaves their wedding album behind, you know, unless they're maybe they're not married anymore and don't want to see it, but we're not going there. It's just not that type of uh, podcast, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, so we went to the manager and um, she was able to contact them and they were really happy. He came back. Um, so if you, if you walk in and it looks valuable as much as everyone would love to find something great, yeah, it's not ours to, to, to make that decision. I always default to guys to the manager, uh, talk with the manager, let them know that, you know, somebody left something um, of value so that we can get it back to them. Mm -hmm. Now, Josh, you talked a little bit about inventory, uh, making sure you have the inventory that you need to turn a unit 
a lot of our properties, especially since we're growing and we're taking on uh, properties, you know, that's one of those things that I think maybe some advice of how if you were to take over a property, so let's say Demetrius, you get put on site and you're the supervisor there. How do you go about just kind of setting some of those minimum standards of what you would need uh, in a unit to, so that you kind of start ensuring downstream success? Because month one might be a little rough, right, as you're starting to get your bearings, but how could you, um, you, you kind of mitigate that pain and shorten that time to where then you have good inventory control? Uh, that's, that, that's always something that um, it, it, I always would hyper-focus on. So one of the things that I was, that I would do was, you know, blind sizes, you know, making sure you have the, those patio doors, all the little, all the floor plans, make sure you know your floor plans for your for your flooring companies um but also walk your vacants know your floor plans go through know your blind sizes make sure they're all in stock make sure you know patio blinds whatever you have um also too I, another thing that i did was i made sure i had uh zippets i used to love the little zippets that would clean drains because i was really big on my turns to clean drains because I found looking through work orders that I would always see number one callbacks for, for, for movements was, you know, clogged drains, my drains clogged. And it was just like the biggest, most disgusting thing that a new resident could come in and see in the tub, they see hair or something in that drain. So I was like, so huge on cleaning drains and cleaning the trap out. And it was just, so I had all the things that I used and that I and I would express to use like always clean your drains, always have your, you know, your your stoppers, making sure you had everything that you that I would like set my standard. So we're gonna change the toilet seats out. You know, that was my standard. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put a new toilet seat in. So I would have everything once we set the standard to what we would change and what we, you know, we felt would be you know, our, our number one thing that we would need. And that was always blinds. That was, that always seemed to be the number one, uh, you know, callback or, or ticket on a, on a move in. But, you know, first thing to do, if you're new, start off, talk with your property manager, what's your biggest callbacks on your move-ins, your biggest complaints, set the standard, go ahead and order all the things that you need. If they're blinds, clogged drains, um, you know, toilet seat was disgusting, you know, go ahead and get all your parts and supplies for the units and different floor plans and, and make sure, you know, you're also knowing your, your age life of your carpets and make sure, you know, you know, when to replace your carpets, you know, um, and set the standard of, of what needs to be replaced versus clean. And, um, you know, just make sure that you have everything that you need in place for your different floor plans, because they'll vary on your blind sizes and, and 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 different drip pans if you need them or some you know some some units won't have drip plans they'll have you know glass tops but know your know your layout know your know your floor plans and know what you have in each in each apartment and make sure you have them stocked up and make sure you know what you what you definitely are replacing you know because you want to set a bar and have them look uniform you you want to keep things uniform with your changes Yeah, and and to um, if if I could jump in and add something to that, so with the in when you're considering the inventory, it's so important, like uh, Demetrius mentioned, to know that floor plan, know, um, you know how many windows are there, you know these counts, yeah. these different things that that we that we understand. So as we're forecasting and looking 
ahead to our notice to vacate, we can establish our highs and our lows in our inventory so that we know that if we, you know, just that I mean as just if we're dropping below that high number on our labels, you know, in the shop, we know that we want to order however many it is to, to come up, you know, if we're dropping below and vice versa, you know, so establishing that high low per different items, depending on the demand of those items. Um, and then of course, looking ahead at the notice to vacates to see, excuse me, if we're, uh, it's summertime and, you know, school's getting out. So a lot of leases expire during that time. And, we're, we're, we're looking ahead and seeing that we have 14 move outs, you know, come uh, May, June, let, we might have to adjust that high number and, and make sure that we have adequate supplies to, um, to keep those make readies moving. Yeah, and I think there's a, a couple other tools that are out there that teammates might not readily think of. Uh, I managers need to plan tools as well as the property managers. If we're taking on a property, we have a lot of information about that property sitting in the intelligence. So, Demetrius, you uh, you talked about the work orders. And if we're just taking over a property, it's worth looking at the executive summary and seeing what the top work orders have been. So, to your point, like, are, are drains a problem at this site? Hey, yeah, the executive summary showed that that was a high list of, of work orders. Maybe air conditioning is a problem. So that does set your mindset right from the start. And even if you're planning on the property, if you can look at that, you can get access. Uh, so, and, and these summaries are available to all our teammates from any of the properties. You can just reach out to the regional manager and they can get them to the regional maintenance directors can get you, get them to them. So that's a good one. Um, the other thing you talked about, Demetrius, that I, I kind of wanted to zoom in on there is you, you talked kind of casually about walking your vacants and getting the units. And I, I think that might have been a little bit with the assumption that you're walking out there to see what's inside and what's making up those units, right? So you're taking I'm running water. I, I, I'm looking at the snapshot of what's been sitting and why and looking at uh, also what's showable. I want leasing to have vacants that are showable that look good. So I started... Um, when I was a maintenance manager, I developed a vacant checklist that I would have my uh, techs run through when they were slow and go through, run the water, uh, you know, get that sulfur smell out of the, you know, the water heaters from sitting and and check the drains and and it gives them, you know, is the unit clean? Is it not clean? Yes, no. Um, smells? Yes, no. Um, any leaks? You know, because a lot of the times, you know, roof leak happened, you didn't know. And you and you show an apartment and the ceilings collapsed in there or something, you know. It, it just it keeps you you know peeking every door kind of a scenario and it and it and it it, it would also uh, be a good way to you know when you're on a new site kind of just check your floor plans and know what you have and kind of run through and see what you know a place to check everything out. But I would I would definitely walk vacants and make sure the temperatures were set at the um, correct temperatures. Fridge set, you know, just like infuse the recommended temperatures. Um, and just, you know, just get a good, you know, walk through and make sure that those units are ready to show clean and, and, you know, you, you got an eye on them, make sure the temperatures are good. So, and, and, uh, I always found that, um, that worked best at when I was on lease ups, because lease ups, you have a lot more, um, 
vacant units, right? I mean, you're trying to stabilize. So there's a lot of units that are sitting vacant. So that's why I, I just always carried that over from doing lease ups because it was just a good way to have control. And then another, another side effect of vacant walks is when units are being shown through the day, sometimes the leasing agents leave the balcony door open. They don't shut it all the way, you know, when they're showing a unit because they're in the process of selling and they get caught up in what they're doing. And, you know, maybe they left the lights and maybe they left the door open, you know, so it kind of, oh, the door was left open, bugs got in, we need to send the cleaning unit over there and, and clean the area up and make sure, you know, they, that patio door gets locked. So it's just a good checks and balances too as well. All right. Well, uh, let's kind of move forward here a little and, uh, well, forward and back in a, both the same thing. Cause Josh, you talked a little bit about your make ready kit. Uh, you kind of talked about it in terms of the, the parts and inventory that you have. Uh, is there something similar to the make ready kit, uh, from the part side that kind of correspond, like, do you have your go-to set of tools that, you know, you're going to bring from unit to unit? So, and, and do you have that kind of stage? What does that look like? You're, you're dropping good knowledge on us, but you're on mute there, Josh. I was testing you. You passed. You passed. Um, so without a doubt for us, yeah, um, I am, I'm a bit of a kit guy. Um, I got a kit for fishing. I got one for hunting. I got, you know, I just, it's a, there's a bag for everything. Right. Um, so very similarly with our make readies, um, I, I promote, uh, to the maintenance supervisors and to the techs to create these kits. Um, so, you know, if, if you're going to be removing the, the caulking, um, you know, you might want to have your heat gun and your, your five in one tool, um, your knee pads, whatever it is, and, and just bundle it up, you know, bundle it up. I remember, uh, I don't want to pick on Norman. Norman taught me a lot, uh, but Norman had this 55 gallon drum, you know, with, uh, on a dolly. And he'd bring up and he'd lay out this tarp and just, I mean, every tool you could think of, you know, and I'd say, Norman, do you really need all these you know, things inside of the unit? And he was really good at what he did. Um, but I, it, I was happy to say that after uh, some years of, of working with Norman, he ditched it. He got rid of the big drum and I had him in with kits, you know, and he only took up what he was going to use um, for what he, you know, consider what you're going to be doing. What stage of that make ready are you in when you're bringing these tools in? So both from a security standpoint, you don't want to lose your good tools if you left the door unlocked or another, whatever the case. And then at the same time, is it really efficient to bring all the tools up there, lay them all out, then pick them up at the end of the day and, and, and so forth. So not to go down that rabbit hole, um, my uh, a, a kit that we made an example was a touch-up paint kit. Even though we had, uh, you know, paint vendors who do that part of the job, a lot of times if we had different vendors going in or we leaned on a wall, we touched something white. Um, it's not white anymore. You know, we're maintenance guys and sometimes we have dirty hands. So we'd have a touch-up kit with the body paint, the, the white trim, you know, the semi-gloss, um, and then also a magic eraser, you know, so any outlet cover that just ain't right, your thermostat, you know, we'd love to go turn that AC up or down and, and, and mark up that thermostat. So a small little kit 
for doing that. And, and a lot of times that was a kit that you're bringing. I don't want to jump to the end, but when you're doing your quality inspection, you're, you're bringing that little kit with you and, and you're able to just jump on, um, you know, that item or whatever it is. So without giving away all the goods of every kit that we should have made up, that's just an example of one. And then you can apply that towards the different, um, you know, times in that make ready or different yeah, sections of it, or, or, so to speak. You see an article 10 posted on Fuse here pretty soon, which is uh, Josh's kits. So, so there is probably not a side out there that if you were to ask, hey, do you guys have too much staff? Do you guys have too much? Yeah, I got too much. Please cut back. So time management's probably what you're aiming for with those kits, right? And then the parts inventory is the, the kits. So what we talk about on the in the make ready process is really trying to understand and make as few trips to the shop for parts and tools as possible. And Demetrius, kind of at the beginning here, you used a term which was uh, technician go process. Go yeah, left and make it right. Yeah. So and we we talk about walking the walls. Would one of you guys kind of take us through the concept of that left to right or that back front or the walk walls and and try to say you know what are we trying to do with that? What do you have in your hand while you're doing that? And like, what's the next step? So, well, just the, the basis of, of the left to make everything right is, I mean, brass tacks, you don't want to miss anything. Uh, you you, you want to make sure you cover everything. Um, so, one of the things that you're looking for is you're turning everything on, you're, you're looking underneath. I, I do a thorough process. I, I check for leaks. I look for sides of leaks. I check the refrigerator, make sure it's blowing cold. Uh, you know, pull, pull things out. You know, if you're if you're doing if you're cleaning the coils behind the fridge, whatever your the standards you're set, you want to walk through and make sure that you're checking everything and making lists and if, of what you're going to need. If you, like if you see you're missing parts in the sink, you're gonna you're gonna make a notation. And you're going to put it in your note the part that you're going to need for this. You're going to you're going to look under. You're going to say, does it need Luan and and repair underneath? Was there a leak at some point? Um, you, you're going to you're going to notate everything that that you, you're going to see, and then you're going to make a change in the part that you're going to need. You see the blind that doesn't work that, that is busted. You're going to you're going to put the blind size for this one new. How many you're going to need? Um, you're going to put all your parts down. You're going to write them down. And you're, you're going to look at your toilet seat. You're, as you're making your way through, you're notating everything. You're checking everything thoroughly. You're not fixing anything. So you're, you're just notating. And you're putting the part that you're going to need, the toilet seat. I'm going to need a toilet seat. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to unclog this drain. I'm going to need to zip it in here. All the drains are clogged. You know, I'm running the water. All the aerators are leaking out the side. I'm going to need three aerators. I'm going to go ahead and um, change this shower head. It's all, it's beyond taking the calcium, putting CLLR on it. I'm going to go ahead and replace that and put that in. Oh, it's late. So you're notating everything, not fixing anything. And then as you, you know, you, you walk through, you're going to know whether those carpets are going to need replaced. You know, is your refrigerator working? Is your, is your microwave glitching? You're going to know everything that's wrong with that property as you make your way through thoroughly. 
And then you're going to have a parts list of everything that you're going to need. So as far as productivity is concerned, you're not going to make any trips. You're, you're going to get everything that you need all in one shot because you thoroughly went through and inspected it. And I was, would call that the technician process. And that's something that you walk through and you set the standard. Like I go, I'm going to keep going back to the standard. And that's something that they're going to take pride in and they're going to do thoroughly. And they're going to go left to make everything right. And that's what all that entails. And when they come out of that, they're going to have a parts list. They're going to know what there needs to be replaced. And they're going to get, they're going to get everything in place all at once, fix everything. And then they walk away feeling confident, knowing they did a thorough inspection, had all the parts, didn't miss anything, and follow through. And then, and then what's even bigger than that, that, that I would challenge leasing the office as well as my maintenance staff was the, the, the whole purpose of that comes down to the last inspection where, because you have to inspect what you expect, right? So you're setting a standard, you're walking left to make everything right. You're doing the process. You might even be taking it up a notch. You might even have enough time to do a little bit of a PM on it. Maybe you're turning the AC on and you're doing a split and making sure you have a 15 to 22 degree split before they move in as well. Whatever that standard is at the end process after the cleaner leaves, the office and maintenance comes in and inspect what they expect out of that standard and look at the finished product. So once you see the benefit of, of doing that, you see the productivity, you save time, and you also take more time without fixing anything at first to, to really inspect the unit for leaks, what you need to re replace. And then also you set the standards. So what are you going to, you know, you're going to always have to replace the, the toilet seat if you, it, 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 you know, or, or you're going to have to change, you know, the aerators out, you know, you might set the standard. You're going to give, you know, the resident a new shower head, new aerators. I mean, whatever your standard is, you know, you're going to write everything down and make sure that you hit that mark. Josh, you have anything to add to the, the walk of the walls method? The... Yep. Without a doubt. I had never heard it said walk left to make everything right. Um, but Without a doubt, I like that. That's something I'm gonna go ahead and borrow, uh, Demetrius. <clears throat> but I was always told pick a side. You know, whether you want to go left or right, just go and and just hug that wall and just go up, down, up, down. Right? You're you're looking down, you're looking up, and you're not missing anything. Um, and me being the kit guy, of course, you have your your walk kit with you. And um, you guys don't have video. But, you know, a moisture meter, right? You're going to have your moisture meter with you as you're walking. You can uh, use that as an opportunity to uh, look for any moisture uh, in areas that, that may be susceptible to that around the windows. Um, maybe your, um, your plug, your device for your outlets would be a good time to note if any of the outlets were, um, you know, there was no power there. Um, like Demetrius mentioned, um, your, your little thermometer and also as you walk past again i'm you know i got my little kit with me i'm excited talking make readies um you know That's go ahead and put that into the plenum as you pass the ac and by the time you get done walking now you got a good temperature read of what your supply temperature is um you know and it becomes a uh, habitual you know where it's like you're here 
you're so used to the process. Um, so yeah, and then um, you, uh, Demetrius mentioned, write it down, right? Um, we have so much stuff going on that we're all, our phones are ringing. So we wanna make sure that we're writing down what, we, what we're noting, what we're seeing and, and uh, your make ready checklist, right? So the make, make ready checklist is something that should be in the apartment, should be with you. Um, go ahead and make, make your notes. Down here in, in South Florida, we speak a lot of Spanish and um, a, a common phrase that I've always used with some of my Spanish technicians is, you know, to um, hacer la lista para la compras. So it's make your list for your purchase, you know, for your shopping. So make the shopping list because from that list, you're going to go back to the grocery store, you know, the, the shop, and you're going to do your buy, you know. So make sure you make your list for your para compras, you know. Um, I just thought that was something to add. Yeah, the uh, one of the takeaways I hope people listening kind of get into that is that's setting you up for success, right? That's that planning side of the turn of saying, what are we doing? What do we make sure we're going to get into it? And I think people that are listening will probably catch that that's not a five minute walk going around the apartment, right? That is more than just five minutes breezing through that because you're you're turning stuff on, you're testing things, you're touching it, but at the end, you've got a, a comprehensive list of what you need to work on. And that then becomes your custom checklist for that, that particular thing where you can scratch it off. And you know, that's what I did is we, we would have our list and literally it was the pencil in hand. And as we were going through it, this is done, this is done, this is done. And we knew that uh, if we had that, we were on a good, good shot to hit our quality inspection before we kind of hit the end. Now, um, I know some people have, have always traditionally said, well, I, I want the supervisor to be that, but I'm a big believer that it's whoever is going to be turning that unit, it's the, the one making and going through that list. Uh, do you guys disagree with that? Do you guys feel that that's only the domain of the supervisor to do this list? Or uh, can anybody who's responsible do that list? I think that's a... That's a battle, isn't it, Demetrius? Yeah. Isn't that something yeah. that, that that if if we haven't had that conversation before, I'd be a little surprised. Um, and I've seen it go both ways. Um, I've I've worked at properties where it has had to be the maintenance supervisor, and I don't. I think that that's um, that's showing that there's room for improvement and maybe some some uh, retraining that needs to happen. I would think that the goal should be, like you said, Forrest, that it be that tech, you know, the person who's going to turn that apartment um, should definitely be able to go in and make their own shopping list, right? Like, uh, I don't need you to make me the shopping list, honey. I know I got it, you know, it, it, uh, thank you, but, but we got it. Um, but yeah, I'll leave that alone. I, I, I concur with Joshua. No need to repeat it. Yeah, I agree. I do yeah, agree. I, well, and I think Demetrius, your solve for that is that quality, that planning the quality head, right? You're getting the alignment of what is supposed to happen and how it's supposed to be done. And and if you think about it, no better way than to have the person who's going to do it be the one that creates the list and actually goes into it because they're going to be accountable at the end of the day. And if you find that they're missing stuff, so as a supervisor, if you find that, hey, they've missed stuff, well, that's the, the teachable moments, right? The, 
the learning points kind of go in there and you need to back up a little and say, okay, well, here, here's why this is important. And you also have to recognize that that same pressure for time sits all across because your, your tech's got, you know, time constraint inside that unit. They got other things going into that. So making sure that they understand the reason why it's worth taking that time to put that list together and mm -hmm. to get that kind of set up is, is big. And so sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, you know, you own this, uh, you're accountable for getting this done and to do it right. And if they miss something, it's not the end of the world, but uh, it's a chance to say, okay, hey, here's what you missed. Let's talk about, you know, why this is important. Let's get on with it. So we've kind of gone through the, the unit. We've got all the, the stuff, the parts, the things we're going to look at. Um, sequencing laid out in our fuse article we talk about the the general steps that go through that on that you know trash out josh kind of starting from the beginning you got the trash out piece are there anything in those process steps uh so kind of the make ready task and sequencing that you see as flexible items are these things kind of set in stone where are things that you you know process steps that you just wouldn't put one in front of the other or you always got to have there? Definitely have, oh, oh, go ahead. No, your turn. I'll, I'll, no, in the process, just uh, one of the things I always stick to is uh, the cleaner's always the last one to leave. A lot of the times you see things change where they'll come in and then the the, sometimes the technician will come back in to tweak up or come back to things and fix things up because maybe the apartment was a little too dirty and then they'll cause a little mess and then you get sparkle kits involved. So I always try to make it that the cleaner is the last person in the process before before inspection, before the final inspection. So that that's one thing I always stuck with and, and always getting the turn completed, you know, before, you know, the carpets and everything get done you know you want to get the brass tacks of everything completed right after the trash out yeah so um while i agree with you demetrius there's the the apartment which is not the uh how would you say the exception not the the norm where you have a really bad apartment with um maybe pest control or um a skip a skip you know a, a a really gnarly apartment and i i i've always um not fought but communicated effectively to the managers um about why we're getting this apartment cleaned before we caulk the bathrooms and 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 then yes we're gonna may either have to do a touch-up or we'll We'll own it, you know what I mean? We're gonna own it and, and go ahead and um, work it out with the cleaners. Um, and, and so where there is that exception, um, and the guys have always thanked me for it because it's just it's nothing like trying to caulk a dirty apartment, you know, um, when it's really bad, like excessive. So other than that, yeah, I think there's maybe an exceptions to the norm, but you should definitely, uh, try to make it where your cleaner, your carpet cleaners um, are the last ones in the apartment. But whenever it's not the cleaner, you you got someone's got to go back and put eyes on it because uh, someone either lifted the toilet seat or something happened. Um, but yeah, that's that's my add to that. 
Yeah, you know, and that also kind of brings into the the concept of when you're in that actual make ready portion, right, where you're doing the, the maintenance and you're getting the. But I think some of the sequencing stuff, there's definitely planning on that as well. Uh, you you talk a little bit about you know, replacing cog and everything like that. So uh, historically, I, I would make a point to, to strip out all the cock kind of as one of those first things, first steps on that, and then like bathrooms and stuff, make sure we're bleaching out the grouts and stuff before we lay down any new cock, right? We want to kill any fungus, and then we're going to clean that up real good before we lay any new new caulking on that. And I think paint and drywall is another one of those things where you got to stage and plan that out because you might have some fairly large patches that are going to take some, some time to sequence and you want to you want to get your patch started that first coat drywall you know mud and everything drying while you're doing other things in that unit so as you're looking at that checklist that you've already created i think that's the other thing to point out is you need to have that mental note of hey what things just take time and that time might be time to activate so in the case of like cleaning chemicals time for it to clean and process in the case of something to dry what are those things to kind of take into account there because i've seen that uh, to be where people kind of slowed down where they waited to do a patch kind of right before and now they're pushing maybe the painter's not able to get over it or you got to wait for something to get your texture um, which is kind of i wanted to drive in that conversation into then the, the concept of your vendors and how your vendors are in this process and how we can kind of work with them to also be expedient. So how do we kind of take care of the vendors, help them so they help us? Uh, when do we schedule them? How do we schedule them? You know, how are we setting this all up? So maybe you guys could talk a little bit about what success on the vendors look like or with the vendors look like. I used to, um, on the uh, move out, uh, pre-move out, what I would do is I always used to um, give them a call, like based on set a standard with my painters, like what, what dime size holes, how many, how many will, will they cover um, before they start charging me and, you know, go over, you know, the pricing and go over what walls need to be, um, you know, extra coated. But I would usually pull out if I get ahead and, and usually schedule them out based on their move out date i'd give a little time to get the keys but i used to map my my move outs on my own calendar for my painters for my cleaners and that way i i basically would have them meet with them and have them get on my same schedule based on the the move outs that i would pull in advance and then i would also make sure that i would update them as to to when i got keys and and schedule blocks of availability with a little technical difficulty here in the middle of our session, we're going to pick back up the discussion. Uh, we were talking here before the unplanned break a little bit about scheduling vendors, uh, vendor success. Demetrius, you were starting to impart some wisdom there. So hopefully, maybe you could kind of pick up on that. If not, I got a few specific questions. We can restart the, the discussion. Yeah, so basically, uh, as far as scheduling, one of the things that I did on site was I had a calendar for each of my vendors based off of the move out dates, stagger them versus the 
the time I got keys, I gave a couple days after the move out date uh, versus when I got my keys. Um, but I would definitely have sit downs with my um, vendors and, and make sure we're, we're on the same page with scheduling, uh, you know, getting the painters in versus, you know, when we get the floors done, we want it, we don't want people on top of each other. So I would make my own calendar um, based on uh, just for cleaners, just for um, um, my painters so that I made sure that we were all on the same page and, and, and got our scheduling right. And then it also, um, a lot of the times when you're looking at your move outs, um, they would be grouped. So I would definitely touch base with my painters too, because there's some days where they have more availability where they can knock out all three so they can group them together. So that was always a big plus was going over, you know, schedule out and see you know, your notice to vacate and kind of just schedule out and kind of give them a snapshot of when we're having the most move outs and just to give them a heads up so they can have their guys and, and schedule for those days where they can knock out three in one day. Or, you know, if you might have four, you can get knocked out in a day. But I would always have my painters on, on, my, on their own calendar and my cleaners on their own calendar. So that helped me kind of balance and make sure that they didn't overlap. That's what that's what I did. It didn't seem to always work. And then it also too, if you're out, your assistant can kind of pick up because you, you got everything scheduled in and you in and all your units in there on the date for your painter, for your cleaners. And then I think I was talking to you before we had the break too about the floor plans, making sure that you also have all your floor plans ready for, you know, when you look at your move outs, what kind of floor plan it is and Make sure that your your vendor knows your, your floor plans and what he needs to get the floor in replaced, and and that way you can give them the floor plan for all your scheduled uh, carpet replacements. So this uh, scheduling of vendors really occurs kind of when the pre move outs or even the you know move outs you're you're kind of thinking that far ahead, right? So you can get a sense of bandwidth. And I think what I've absolutely. Seen Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of the availability, you know, based on your painters and, and, and your vendors, you know, usually, you know, uh, a lot of sites I were on when I was a maintenance manager were. Okay. So, Demetrius, kind of break number three there for us. Um, you're talking a little bit about, again, the kind of the scheduling. Anything? Yeah, so basically when it, I ran through with the calendars was basically how I would schedule my vendors just to keep everybody in track. Cause the main thing is trying to fight overlapping and then also allowing availability for your painters and big repairs that you get them in and can get as many done on a day that they could, that they could knock out. And that'll push you ahead on your timing as well to get as many units painted as you can and, and kind of give you that uh, forecasting to, to make sure that you know you can um, get the repairs done in time that you need and be ready for the painters as well. And then having the calendars also, I was saying before uh, the break um, was to have it available there as well so your assistant can look at it or somebody could pick up and have a snapshot of what you're doing at that time and, and see when things are being scheduled. Yeah, and something that, that really jumps out to me there, uh, Demetrius, is when you say, uh, forecasting, you know, so I think Forrest, you mentioned um, something earlier in terms of when does that start, right? When does that scheduling start? And and in this business, 
um, at least when it's a stable property um, and skips and evictions are minimal, um, we have the, the, I guess, the ability to forecast. Um, and that comes in the way of that notice to vacate, right? So uh, different companies have different policies. I believe ours is uh, up to 60 days. You know, we're looking for a 60-day notice. So we're able to forecast um, that these, these units are coming available. You know, and and being able to to forecast um, with our notice to vacates, we can take that same um, privilege and share that with our vendors. So, you know, our vendors shouldn't find out that we have ten apartments coming available. Um, you know, the day before or even two days before. So the same notice that we're getting from our residents, we want to let our our vendors know, hey, we got a pretty big turn month um, coming up. You know, um, next month in July, we're we're expecting fourteen uh, units that are going to vacate. What's your availability to be here the day I'm turning in? You know, I'm getting keys um, to to get ahead. I mean, just an example, depending on the. Uh, the level of turn that you might be doing with that vendor, you know, if it's a, a standard term or is this a, a renovation? Um, so just just anytime we can get in um, with a head start, you know, if you consider this a race, right? I mean, how much uh, how much more ahead are you when you get a head start, right? Like your odds go up. So not to over talk the topic, but anytime we can forecast. And we have that privilege of that uh, knowing in advance. Well, let's go ahead and share that with our vendor and try to schedule as much of that as possible um, based off of our pre-move-on inspection. So if we can already get ahead with POs um, where they're they're sitting on approved POs, so they're not looking for an approval while the apartment is vacant. You know, as much as that as, as much of that that we can minimize when that apartment is vacant, uh, well, then we're we're steps ahead. Still hanging in there. <laughs> He's covered. <laughs> All right. Well, we're still recording, so we'll do the magic snap and we'll get this kicked off. So, how important is it to have good relationships with your vendors? Yeah, I would say that's that's key, right? So those are your battle buddies. Those are the guys that that you're going into battle with, um, and the same courtesies that that you offer to them, they're gonna come around back to you. You know, so we don't do it for what we're gonna get back from them, in the sense of you know, hey, I, I want them to owe us a favor, so let's be nice to them. But it's just good practice. So when 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 maybe they fall a little short, we don't want to. Um, I, I think uh, there's a good book out there that says that with the same ruler that you measure, you will be measured, you know? So um, we, we want to uh, treat them with respect and, and build that rapport where um, not that we want to call them the night before, but when we do get a skip, um, when we get an eviction, um, when we get that bad unit and we call on them, they know that um, they got our back and we know that they got our back. That's good. Yeah, I think uh, you said it well during the month. And I always felt like I could count on them 
and I got schedules done and in place as far in advance as I could because I was trying to make sure that they had the time to be flexible on that. And, and they knew if I was calling because I needed something in a, a day or two, that it was an important uh, piece there. And so I, I generally was able to accommodate that and maintain the schedules. But when you use your ruler analogy there again there, Josh, I like that. Yeah, and, and while we had our a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, I mentioned um, that that courtesy of that notice to vacate, you know, um, at least in stable uh, properties where um, skips and evictions are minimal, um, you know, we're requiring these residents to let us know 60 days in advance that they're going to be vacating. So that same courtesy uh, that, that we're receiving, we can extend that over to our vendors and allow them to, uh, Demetrius used the word forecast, and, and that's, I mean, that's it, right? So when we can forecast and allow them to forecast, hey, July is going to be a really busy turn month. We're looking at 14 lease expirations, and, and they're moving out. Well, then they can maybe bring on that additional help, um, and then in return, you know, it's like we all benefit from it, um, where they're able to provide us a better service and then not be overwhelmed, and everybody's happy. So we're a purchase order first company. We require a purchase order for anything. And I think it's important for our teammates to understand that that doesn't inhibit this level of discussion with a vendor, right? You can still pick up the phone. You can still have that conversation and let them know, hey, this is what's coming on. I'm getting ready to set up. I'm going to be issuing these POs for this work. And then it's really scheduling after the fact. So you can start staging and you can use that need by date to help pin that off. But if you're relying solely on Coupa issuing that PO as your only point of communication, you're probably going to be in a world of hurt because it's issue the PO and then your next step should be followed up with contacting your vendors and, and having a good old fashioned conversation with them, right? Uh, and I know some people like to do the text still just to verify if that's like the relationship level you're at where you can just shoot a text and say, hey, confirming you got these three, four X date. Uh, you could do that, but you can't uh, underestimate the value of a little small talk before a conversation in terms of just making sure that they're good and they got you in a good spot. Well, let's jump a little to uh, maybe we're kind of narrowing down on the last few parts of this conversation here. And I wanted to know from you guys, from your perspective, what are some things that really take your turns to that next level? So what are those little touches that maybe Beatrice Yari always had a little bit of pride in or Josh that you really thought set your turns apart from others? Yeah, and, and that's there's a kit for that, right? So there's there's a kit for that. And, and the magic eraser, you know, um, just just going back during that quality inspection, um, when you think quality inspection, you, you may not even think that there's any action involved other than, well, I'm just inspecting something and and it should be fine. And, and you know, there's such thing as good or good enough, um, someone may say, but there's just that little additional, right? That extra mile. So I always said anything white, if you can make it whiter, you know, like by using that magic eraser or just making sure that it's good. The smells, you know, when you when you hit the uh, the different senses. But if you if you can um, 
you know, put something that's not overbearing, right? And I always like to get a few opinions on that because someone might love coconut and then the other one hates lavender. I get that. Um, but just a, a nice, clean smell and a new turn and, and where everything is clean. Um, I think that that really sets, sets apart. That was something I always emphasized. And then it's a little kind of not trade related, but the royal carpet, you know, um, I tried to make where the new move-ins, we really like, uh, we would do, you know, little things like save the parking space for that resident in a, in a complex where maybe there's not assigned parking, you know, and, and give them somewhere where they can put their moving truck, you know, um, with a cone. And then we would box off that spot if it was convenient. Um, just little little things like that to to make their first day at the property special. Another thing was um, like we'd say pizza on us and give them like a, you know, while you're moving, no need to worry about what you're going to eat. You know, little knickknacks like that. And I, I get that that's not in per se directly related to the turn, but it does go a long way for retention and for a good move-in experience. For me, it's the details. Putting, I call them signature details. So some people like to put all the screws a certain, aligned a certain way. My signature details was, that drives me, it'll drive me crazy, is bugs in the lights. It, it, that's just like a huge thing with me, just checking all, making sure everything is clean and wiped down. Because the cleaners don't have, most of the time, don't have a ladder to get up there and remove. If they do, they're great. They'll never get rid of them. But we always would stress, you know, let's clean the bugs out of the lights and put a signature uh, just on it. And, you know, pre like after COVID, I know a lot of different signature items changed, like with a sealed toilet. Just little signature things that when a resident walks in, they know they're the first to, 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 you know, break that seal or it makes them feel special or they see all the screws a certain way, all the bugs, there's no bugs in the lights. Just those little signature details. And, you know, that's something you can talk with your on-site team and set a standard for and, and put your mark on it and it'll just really hit it home. Yeah. And, and, if I get another shot, I, I'm going to take it. Um, that that's that's really good info, and you and it spawned something that thought. You know, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about the different areas. You know, that the categories, so to speak, for with work orders, curb appeal, make ready, and preventive maintenance. Almost like the four main categories. Um, Horace was talking about, and something that I always promoted and tried to fight for was that they allow us to do a little um, towards the curb appeal of that building where that vacant unit was. So we focus so much time on the inside of that apartment that we forget about the walk up, you know, or from the parking lot all the way up to that unit. So they, some of the companies might call it like the hug a building. They hug that building, you know, and they give it some love or whatever. Um, but it's, it's something that I've always promoted. And I even had a leasing agent one time tell me, well, that's not fair. You know, why would you do that for the new resident and not for the old residents? And I said, I won't say her name. She's sweet, sweet lady. But she gave me a really hard time. And I said, how many units are in the building? And she knew it. She'd been there forever. 
14, every unit, 14, you know, every building. And I said, okay, and when we're making that one unit ready and we do that building special, that affects that one unit, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's not fair. I said, what about the other 13 old residents that are now getting their building beautified because someone else is moving and they benefit also. And she got on board and she loved it. But I guess what I was trying to get at is that the make ready, in my opinion, is the one out of all the four that affects, that kind of crosses over into those other categories more than any other one. Because if you do a great make ready and you 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 really do it the right way and you even do some of this on the curb appeal on the way on the outside of the building, it affects your work orders positively because you're going to get less work orders when they turn in that uh, move in checklist. It, it affects your preventive maintenance because now there's less to do in that unit because you did a good turn. And then, of course, the curb appeal. So. I think Make Ready, uh, I'm glad we used this one to start with because it really does carry over into the other um, into the other categories. That's really good. Josh, and another thing too, with the exterior and, and coming into that apartment, it really puts a, uh, you're also building that reputation. You're also setting a standard and building a reputation based off of your, your Make Ready. So it's, a, it's, yeah. it's actually a side effect of, doing a great turn without a doubt yeah yeah that reputation is more and more present uh with the fact that people can do google reviews and they can get on social media and it's it's right out in front so that's that's pretty key um the last thing is we kind of talked a little bit about some of the preventative maintenance items as, as far as doing the hvac and stuff and we do have a section about preventative maintenance reviews i won't go too into that but I did want to talk briefly yet before we wrap up just about that quality inspection. And I think I wanted to talk a little bit about what the mindset of that quality inspection should be. Because what I've seen sometimes is that for the technician, especially somebody who's got a lot of pride in their work, it can feel like they're getting picked on, right? Uh, you're going in there and when it's the first time you're looking at a unit, especially if you have new eyes and you're going into the unit, you're probably going to see some things that uh, to anybody coming in seem obvious, but for the person that's been in that unit and has done 95, 98% of it right, right? That last, now that last 2%, that last 5% shows. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how do you set the mindset for the inspection for both the, the person who's going to be inspected uh, and also for the inspector? Yeah, that's that's a, a really good question uh, for us, you know, and um, I remember someone told me and there's a there's a name and you guys are smart. So you'll probably know the name of this theory, but it's the one up, one down, one up, you know, or uh, positive, not negative. But tell them something that they've done good. Then, you know, the thing that they should they can work on. So it's not that they've done it wrong, but something that they can work on. And then again, something else they've done good. So. Um, when communicating to them this, um, whatever it is, that opportunity to, to kind of reach the target. Um, I think in the way that we communicate with our team, we want to make sure that we're building them up and not, you know, beating them down. Cause like you said, he's the one who's been in that unit for the last two days. And maybe when it started off, there was fleas biting him. And now it's like, you know, he's got it this far ahead. 
Um, you definitely don't want to take his legs out from under him. Um, and you should have that, you know, when we talk about relations with our vendors, also our relations with our, um, with our maintenance techs have to be in a way that we can, we're not going to hold back. Um, we, we need to be able to get the message across, but um, we want to, to be careful because um, like you said, that apartment may have come a long way. So back to where Demetra said, setting that standard though. So when they know what it should look like, um, so, I mean, that's it. I don't want to go on a rant, but between setting the standard and then of course the way that we deliver that message. Yeah, Josh, and just to piggyback on what you were saying about the one up and one down and, and you know, not to sound um, like, a, like a motivational book, but one thing that I've always done as a service manager was um, I read a book and, and, and I don't actually remember the name of it, but it was about how they train a, 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 a dolphin or a killer whale to jump out of the water. And there's levels of rewarding it to get it to jump out of the water. But the whole moral of the story is catch people doing right. And always, always when you're inspecting or you're, you're going through the processes, always catch them doing everybody doing right. And that helps, you know, set the bar and, and it keeps raising the bar, whether it's the level of turn, whether it's you're interacting with the resident doing walkthroughs with your vendors. I always try to point out the good, point out the right, and then raise the bar from there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Um, I, I also circle back to something that you said at the beginning there, Demetrius and Josh echoed, which is if everybody kind of understands what the plan is, right? They understand what your objective and what you're shooting for. And in this case, an excellent unit, right? Uh, it does take a little of the sting out of it, but it's hard when you're proud of your work not to feel a little punch. And, and sometimes it's not even feeling like a punch. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, I can't believe I missed that. I, I should have seen that on that one. And it's important for everybody to understand that that extra set of eyes is, it's a teammate for you to help catch those things so that it's not the resident catching it and to go into that. So uh, if you know that the person who there's inspecting is an ally to the turn process, right? They're an ally to what we're trying to get done. Uh, that helps in a lot of ways on that one. And it's really good, especially if you have a larger site with multiple uh, you know, teammates where you can really mix up and techs get to inspect other techs and these other things. And you can kind of build a level of competition within that. But it's a solid point that our, our whole goal is to continue to improve this process and reinforce the positive, train the things that we're seeing or we're missing and kind of move forward. And ultimately you, you develop that pride in your work. Well, guys, as we get ready to close out the make ready, I know you guys probably had some list of items that you may or may not have wanted to talk. Hopefully we've got through most of them. Anything else that you guys want to, to throw out before we wrap this one up? I think we covered it pretty good for us. You know, I hate to not, you know, you, you have that when something's flowing, I, I really enjoyed this. I can sit, we can sit and keep talking about it. Um, I think it's obvious hearing us all on here that we all enjoy what we do. Um, and, and we've all been doing this long enough, hearing other people talk about things that I've experienced, you know, and just hearing it from someone else. This is, uh, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this. Um, hopefully you guys who are listening, you know, or have enjoyed it and, and can take some 
some gem, you know, something something out of it. Um, and uh, looking forward to the next ones. Yeah, thanks guys for listening. So thank you for having us, of course. Josh, Demetrius, appreciate your time and insights and look forward with speaking with you guys about something else again. Thank, thank you. you all very much. Take care. Take care, guys.